you know, we, we, we all have a vote. That's, I mean, that's a, just one of the, the joys of democracy. But uh, we have a stronger voice in heaven than we have on earth. We need to use both. We need to use both. But we have a stronger voice on heaven than we use on earth. Uh, and um, I, I love what Sue said and the way she put it. You know, the, the way that we speak in heaven, that's the way we need to speak on earth and vice versa. The way we speak on earth, that's the way we need to speak in heaven. I just thought, I thought she, she put that so well. So, so I was challenged by that and uh, uh, I hope we all were. Okay, um, I remember uh, a couple of months ago I, I spoke and I, I invited people that were having... Um, problems with their hearts physically to, to stand, to, to get prayer. And I, I mean, I realize it's not one of those things that's easy to check, but I just wondered whether there's anybody who had any kind of uh, change that they were aware of, or they'd been to the doctors, or, or just something. I mean, you don't, don't worry if you haven't. I just thought, well, it'd be good to, to find out, because we were praying for healing this morning. I was going to uh, get us to pray for healing, but Sim did that so well, so I don't need to, to do that. Thank you. But... Um, Anybody talk? Because testimony is really important, isn't it? When God does something, we want to tell people what God's done. Is that right? Yeah. No? Okay, that's fine. We won't dwell on that. All right, we're going to see if uh, uh, this is going to work all right. Daniela, you're doing a great job this morning. Well done. You've got so many things to try and think about. People like me come uh, and then change it all at the last minute. So, Okay, we're in a series on building big people. And... Uh, we're looking at, at different aspects of that. Um, again, when I spoke a, a little while back, I, I gave us four maxims to, uh, to live by. Four characteristics of big people. I just want to remind you what they were. Uh, the first is, big people can dream big because God is good. Big people can take risks because nothing's impossible. I mean, when we prayed this morning, did we pray for things that we don't have the, the possibility of affecting ourselves normally? Yes, we did, didn't we? We prayed for, for sickness to go. We prayed for cancer to go. We prayed for people's lives to be changed. We prayed for our nation. We prayed for some negotiations that are affecting over half a, uh, half a billion people in Brexit. And so we can take risks. We can take more risks than we do. Big people trust Jesus because everything was dealt with at the cross. Everything. Every, every problem, every objection, every difficulty, every, every negativity in our lives, everything that would oppose God's work on this earth was dealt with at the cross. Is that good news? That is good news. And lastly, big people serve well. Because they're significant. Just turn to the person next to you and just say, do you know you're significant? Do you know you really are significant? You're significant because you have a voice in heaven. Anybody that can be heard in heaven, anybody that the creator of everything listens to personally every single time they turn to him anybody like that is significant you ever thought about that that's how significant you are okay so this week we're going to look at um the whole area of the prophetic 
and how as people who want to be big in God's love, big in God's grace, big in his perspective on life, we need to partner. By the way, if you're, you're taking notes, um, I can make this, this presentation available through the office and it can probably go with the, um, uh, with the, the audio when it's, uh, when it's available. Uh, thankfully, we're not uh, in video yet. Please don't anybody suggest that. Okay? Well, certainly not for me. Um, audio is fine. Um, but there's a, there's a subtitle for this. If you don't imagine it, you won't recognize it when it comes. If you don't imagine something, you won't recognize it when it comes. If you're praying for something, if you don't have an idea of what that is, when the prayer gets answered, you won't recognize that you've had an answered prayer. That's why faith is the, the evidence of things not seen. See, we, we have the opportunity to live with evidence of things that we can't see. We're imagining. Why do you think God gave us an imagination? God gave us an imagination because it's a powerful way of us interacting with him. Now, we also know that imagination can be a powerful thing that draws us away from interacting with him. I don't know about your imagination, but all kinds of things go on in my imagination. Um, and uh, most of them, uh, well, a lot of them are just not real. They're imagined. Um, that's the thing about imagination. But it's also, it's a God-given gift for us to be able to communicate effectively with him and to him to, to bring things to us that we wouldn't normally think of. Just, just take a completely different example. Take the book of Revelation. Okay, I don't know how, how many of you have read the book of Revelation. If you have, you'll know it's a book with a huge amount of imagery and, and so on in it. God was speaking somehow into John's imagination. I don't think heaven's going to be exactly like I read about it in Revelation. It will resemble it, but Revelation is, is a way of trying to express the inexpressible. How can you express something that you, you say, it looks like gold, but you can see through it? How can you express something that says it's a rainbow, but it's emerald colored? Bless you. How can you express something that is inexpressible in our imaginations? That's why we need to engage our imaginations, but engage them in a way where they become sanctified, where they become completely given over to God. That's a lifelong quest. Okay, remember this phrase. If you don't imagine it, you won't recognize it when it comes. Oh, gone too far. There we go. Let's leave in on that for the moment. Okay. Um, uh, we're going to have a look at a passage out of uh, First Book of Timothy. Um, it's just before the, the one about praying for uh, governments and kings and so on. So um, uh, I'm reading out of the, uh, the Passion Version today because I, I like it. And I think it expresses it well. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, uh, this is Paul. Let me just give you a bit of context for those that are unfamiliar with the context. So uh, this, this book was written by the Apostle Paul, uh, possibly written when he was in, in prison. Prisons in those days weren't very nice. They were just a hole in the ground with you at the bottom. And um, 
He was writing this to somebody who was like a son to him. Paul himself didn't have any children as far as we know. He was unmarried. So uh, Timothy was like a son to him. And he was a son in terms of the, uh, the care that Paul had for him. He as a father wanted to see Paul do really, really well in his life. And Timothy as a young guy, and I don't know how young he was. He might have been in his 20s even or 30s. Um, in those days, uh, the, the older you got, the more you were revered because of, of wisdom. So um, some of us, you know, uh, we'd have done quite well in that setting. Uh, and he was placed in a place called Ephesus. Ephesus was a big commercial city, which was ruled really by the cults of worshipping uh, gods and goddesses and all kinds of crazy things going on. And... Uh, there was a church in Ephesus that was growing and it was, um, it was blossoming, it was burgeoning, it was just growing hand over fist. And Paul left Timothy, this young man, to be in charge of the whole church. And it didn't all meet together, one big meeting, they all turned up in the, in the amphitheater or something. They met from house to house and in synagogues possibly and other places, uh, probably met outside as well. And Timothy was kind of overseeing this, this whole thing. It was a lot of responsibility. So Paul writes to him, and it's amongst the, um, the, the kind of tenderest, most, uh, most personal writing that, that Paul does. He says, To my dear son Timothy, I'm writing to you as your apostolic father in Christ. For it was Jesus himself, our living hope, who sent me as his servant by the command of God, our life giver. Uh, verse 3, as I leave for Macedonia, I'm asking you that you remain in Ephesus and continue the discipleship of the believers. Stay there in Ephesus and instruct them not to teach or follow the error of deceptive doctrines, nor to pay any attention to cultural myths, traditions, or endless studies of genealogies. Those digressions only breed contro- controversies and debates. They are devoid of power that builds up and strengthens the church in the faith of God. Timothy's job was to uh, rub out the nonsense, basically. There were all kinds of speculations, some of it because of Judaism and the way that they viewed things, some of it because of the Greek culture. that they're in. Ephesus was in what is now modern-day Turkey. It would have been a great holiday resort. Um, and Timothy was there to teach the truth and to just to do away with all this rubbish because it was filling people's minds with stuff that wasn't true and it's so easy for us to listen to rubbish and get our minds filled with stuff that isn't true and it was just as true then it was working in their imaginations and Timothy was left there to, uh, to try and sort that out um, I'm going to go down to, to verse 13. Not because it's especially relevant, but I just see in this version, this guy uses this beautiful phrase and he, he writes, Mercy kissed me. This is Paul talking about himself and he's saying, Mercy kissed me. That's what changed me, Timothy. Mercy. Mercy kissed me. Uh, that's apropos nothing. I just thought that was a lovely phrase and uh, I thought you'd all like to hear it. Um, On to to verse 18. This is where I want to get to. So, Timothy, my son, 
I am entrusting you with this responsibility. So big responsibility. The responsibility in keeping with the very first prophecies that were spoken over your life and are now in the process of fulfillment in this great work of ministry. Continue to use your prophecies as weapons as you wage spiritual warfare by faith and with a clean conscience or clear conscience. Continue to use your prophecies as weapons. I want to speak about an aspect of prophecy. I'm not trying to cover the, the, the whole of prophecy that's beyond my capacity and ability to do that. There are lots and lots of aspects of the prophetic that I'm not going to mention anything about. But I want to speak in particular about um, the aspect where prophecy is God speaking from heaven into our lives to reveal what he knows about us, to reveal what he sees about us. You see, God is good, and everything that he does and says is good. So God as Father, he continually holds things in his heart that he longs to release on the earth through us. And I've put some scriptures up there that you can go to. Just, just trust me, it's all in the Bible. I, I read the book, okay? God holds things in his heart. You see... Each of you were made in God's image. You were made to be the ones who carry the image of God. In fact, that's true of everybody on the earth. You'd agree? Okay. Just to, to check. When God creates somebody, he doesn't create them into a vacuum. He doesn't create them with, oh, I wonder what this person's going to turn up like. Oh, I wonder what Graham's going to be like. I wonder you know, if he'll be this or that or the other. He knows. He knows because he's... Because he's God, and because he, he knows everything ahead of time, even though we've got complete freedom of choice in the way that we, we enter into it, uh, which is another several books, um, he knows what he has in his heart for you. And he, he has things stored up in heaven that he wants to release on earth through you, through us. They are things that are particular to the way that you are put together as a person that other people can't release in the same sort of way. Just, just think about it for, for those that uh, uh, have children, okay? I mean, you know, children go through the, the, the same process. They all go through the, the, the same process, and they come about the, the same way biologically, so I'm told. But, um, but they're all different, aren't they? In the same way that, that when you were kids, you were all different. I mean, some of you would have been lovely. Some of you probably would have been a pain in the neck. Uh, some of you would have been would have been fun, somebody would have been, would have been noisy, some would have been quiet, etc., etc., in just the way you are now. There's that variety of destiny. Every one of us has a destiny attached to us, or a, 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 a series of possibilities. It's like a treasure chest. Well, it's not like a treasure chest. It's like a, a treasure palace. It's not just a chest that is infinite, that is finite, sorry, it's a palace which is infinite. And that's the thing that God the Father invites us into. Forgiveness gets rid of all the crud and all the stuff that stops us connecting with God. 
our discipleship, our life with God is a journey of discovery into everything that he has for us. And that's why we need our imaginations because it's so incredible what God has planned. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. Yes, I know that is generally true. It's a general comment about the church, but I believe it's also applicable for individuals. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for each of us as individuals. That includes our eyes and our ears. Who's the person that knows? Your turn. Okay, thank you. And who's the person that needs to ask? You. Okay, it's no good me asking what Jean's destiny is. Okay, she needs to ask. It's no good me asking what Ashley's is or Ian's or anybody else. You need to ask. You guys on the back row, it's no good asking, getting your parents to ask for you. You're the ones that need to ask. You've got to find out what it is that God the Father has stored up for you because as sure as eggs, that's what he wants to birth on earth through you. Right? Okay. Glad we're getting this. God as son... I have to read it off my phone because it's too small to see from that distance. And now it's too big to get on the screen. Maybe I could turn it that way. Isn't technology wonderful? I'm glad someone agrees. God as Son shows us how the Father wants to work through love for us. So God the Father is working through us. God the Son shows us he's working for us. That's why Jesus said, what you've seen me do, you're going to do greater things. Who really believes that? I'd like to. I don't know if I do yet, but I'd like to believe it. I'm working on that. I keep saying that to him. I said, you said this, and so far I haven't seen that. But he wouldn't have said it if it wasn't something there for us to uh, aspire to. We don't, I mean, we strive to reach it, but not with our own striving. We strive in, in God to, to reach it. It's a, it's, it's a difficult balance sometimes. And God as spirit empowers us to accomplish these things in partnership. Uh, sorry, I think I've got, yeah, forget the by. Uh, in partnership with us. Ignore the by. It shouldn't be there. God the spirit empowers us to accomplish these things in partnership with us. God's not going to work unless he works through you for, for what he has stored up for you. Okay. He wants to do it with you. He wants to do it in partnership. Why? Because he's training you to become a son and a daughter. All the stuff we're going through is training us to become sons and daughters. Why do you have difficulties in your life? Because through that, we get trained to become sons and daughters. Let me just clarify and be really clear here. God doesn't send the difficulties, but in the difficulties, we become trained. That's why some stuff is hard. Anybody facing anything tough in their life? Yeah, okay. Well, you're being trained. You're being trained through that to become a son or a daughter. More, to understand more of what it is. So there's all this going on, okay? So how does that get to us? God always speaks about you and to you as he sees you from heaven. Not as you see yourself from earth. Okay, all of the other stuff is introduction, and I've got about eight minutes left. 
So this is the key point. If you remember anything, remember this. God always speaks about you and to you as he sees you from heaven, not as you see yourself from the earth. You see, you can't afford to have anything going on in your head that God hasn't said. You can't afford to be thinking about yourself in a way that God isn't thinking about you. Because you'll think the wrong things. You see, you might be tempted, it's just possible, that from time to time you'll be tempted to think that you're a failure. Or you'll be tempted to think that you can't do something. Or that the stuff you're reading in the Bible isn't for you. Or that's all right, all very well for him or her or whoever it is, for this person on YouTube or that person who wrote the book or whatever, but it's not true for me. That's because your imagination is feeding on stuff that God isn't saying. It's feeding on stuff that somebody else is saying. It's coming out, of, it gets stuck in here. It's, it's, in, it's in our hearts as problems. So I, I got an email this week and uh, I read the email and I, and I just thought, oh. And, and there was stuff in the email that impinged on past experiences and what came up in my head straight away was the impact of those past experiences. Uh, thankfully, I just thought, what I'm thinking and feeling right now doesn't feel quite right. So I was able to, to recognize it and I worked out fairly quickly what it was and I just thought, now what's true here in, in your life, Graham? What's true? Is the experience that you had true? It may be real, but is it the truth? That actually, some of those experiences weren't so good. Or is what God says true? And I had to decide, yeah, what God says is true. So then I had to, in a sense, rehearse what God was saying in my life, in my head. I had to rehearse that. I had to go over it. I had to go back to stuff. So I brought this with me to show you. Do you know what this is? Well, you don't, so I'm going to tell you. Okay. Um, This is a folder full of things that God has said to me in different ways over the last few years. Okay. I've also got about eight or nine recordings of stuff on on my phone and I review them regularly now I've had the opportunity to be in some place where there's kind of a very high level of prophetic gift so it's been a privilege but when you're in that privileged place I get it recorded I either record it uh, on the phone or if it's stuff that's written down um, I go back over it so um, in the summer, uh, that happened several times, and I've been going back over those this week because I felt challenged as I was getting ready to, to talk about this. I felt challenged about the things that God had said to me, so I went back to them to see what they were. Now, let's, let's just be clear here, okay? This is not scripture, okay? Please don't say, all oh, Graham said this is the same. It's not, okay? This has to be tested by scripture. Let's be clear about that. But it is given through people who are gifted who have tested their gifts out in a corporate context and they're saying what they say uh, what, what they sense from God you know and, and we need to uh, to trust that so uh, we had a, a prophet uh, prophetic ministry amongst us some years ago called Sharon Stone remember Sharon Stone very very short American lady stood on a box so that we could all see her and um, good job she wasn't baptising last week eh? 
We'd have to put a box in the uh, in the water for her to, to stand on. Where's Cheryl? Has she gone? She forgive me. Oh, oh, couldn't even see you. You were hiding behind someone. Um, oh, Lord, forgive me. Cheryl, forgive me. Shut up, Graham. Get back to it. Okay. Um, she... You might think it's fun being a leader. It's not when you have a prophetic ministry. Because you know, she stood us all at the front and she went, doink, 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 doink. Anne was, was alive then, was uh, uh, struggling with the, the cancer. And uh, it was something slightly different when she prophesied over her. But the first thing she said to me is, uh, bear in mind she's American, so she uses American phrasing. Um, You've always considered yourself a substitute teacher. And you're only doing things until somebody better comes along. And I felt completely nailed by that because that's exactly how, I, how I'd been with God. For years and years and years saying, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do this because there isn't anybody else. And I imagined all these other people just not available for things. So I ended up doing them because nobody else would, would do them. Um, and uh, because she said that in that way, she really had my attention. <laughs> she just grabbed me by the, the shirt as if to say, hey, listen to this, Graham. There's no way. I hadn't even met her then. I mean, she knew nothing about me. Didn't even know my name. But she spoke about something very personal in a way that that made an impact. And so the next few things she said, I listened to. I have that prophecy written out. I go back to it from time to time. What God has said to you, keep hold of it. Review it. It's not just what people say, it's what you read out of your daily readings. You'll read something and it will just stand out to you a bit. And you'll go, oh, that's really interesting. Write it down or highlight it or, or do something. Go back, review those things. Because what we're doing when we do that is we, we're taking in to our imaginations what God says about us. The conversation that goes on in heaven about you. We often wonder what, uh, what the conversation in heaven is about. I think a lot of it is directed toward Jesus and worship and praise and, and all of that. But there's a lot of it about you. I haven't got a scriptural basis for that, but I'm pretty convinced about that. I'll find it eventually. But I'm pretty convinced about that. There's a lot of conversation about you. There's a lot of conversation about Esther. The angel's talking and say, how's Esther doing? Oh, she's doing great. She's doing a fabulous job. And uh, we've got all these things here for... For, for Esther and she doesn't know it yet isn't that fun she's going to find out what they are and wow that's really going to blow her mind you know I think that's one of the reasons we don't ask sometimes because we're maybe we're afraid that uh, it'll scare us I mean I've had the Lord there was something last week so last Sunday there was something that happened and uh, um, I'd, God seems to speak to me in the shower quite a lot I don't know why uh, I was in the shower, I was listening to the radio, there was something in the news, and I just caught it, and, and it was as though God, God got hold of it and just wanted to light it up in neon and say, hey Graham, pay attention to this. It was so outrageous, I'm not even going to tell all of you, I'm praying it, but I'm not going to tell you, because you just think, oh yeah, well any credibility you might have had has just gone right out the window, because it was so outrageous. When I feel brave enough, then I'll maybe talk about it. But you have to catch hold of those things because that's what the Spirit of God whispers to us. Okay, I'm having to to hurry. I think I'm on to the next one. All right, so let's be practical about all of this. Um, If you're somebody that has any measure of prophetic inclination or gift or experience, if you're part of the, the prophetic group or something, 
please don't be stingy with your prophetic words. God wants to deliver packages to people. Even if it's, I say even if, sometimes you don't feel anything stronger than you just want to go up to somebody and say, do you know, Steve, God really, really cares about you. He's so interested in every detail of your life. And you might think, well, that isn't a great prophetic word that's going to set the world on fire. You don't know. Because you don't know what we're speaking into when you say that. I love it when people come up and say, do you know, God says this. Or, do you know, God's thinking this. Uh, so if that's, if that's you, and I know there are lots of you. I mean, I talked to Rodney a lot about this. And he said, you know, the prophetic group is just growing hand over fist. Oh, I don't know how many people were in it last time. He couldn't get in the room. And uh, so just, will you, will you deliver stuff to us, please? Because if you hold on to it, you just create a log jam. That's the, that's the purpose of the prophetic gift in a church, is to release the, the goodness of God. Be the most encouraging person you know. Be the most encouraging person you know. If you need encouragement, give some away. Let's be the most encouraging church in the nation. How about that? How about being the most encouraging church in the nation? Anybody, anybody like the sound of that? Okay, how do we do that? We encourage people. We encourage each other. Thank you. You're very encouraging. <laughs> okay. Record and review things that you get given or things that come to mind. Go back over them or they'll be lost. They will. That's why I've, I've got this. It's because I've got a lousy memory. That's why it's there. Record and review. Believe them and pray into them. Make some declarations. Uh, I refer you back to the teaching that Stephen Wendy Backland gave us. I'm sure it's available on the, the, the website. They talked a lot about the practice of, of declarations. What we're doing when we do that, I, I'm not going to go into it in a, a lot now, but what we're doing when we do that is we are we're, we're confessing truth. It's not scripture, but it needs to line up with scripture. All of this, just the, the whole caveat, the whole umbrella over this is, is got to line up with Scripture. Okay, Just take that as read. I'm, I'm emphasizing that point because I know people can sometimes get the, the wrong idea. Okay, But when we make declarations, write them down. I, I did this again recently. I, I kind of did it when they were around and it was great. And I saw some amazing things happening. And then, you know, it's just one of the habits you get out of it. So I got back into the habit and I wrote down all the things I was... I was currently praying about and believing for and then I read it and I thought this is ridiculous you alright the man on a collapsed chair he's okay don't worry I read them and I just thought this is ridiculous it must be you God because I'd never have thought of those things I really wouldn't so you don't have to tell anybody else what they are you don't even have to tell your, your husband or wife unless you want to just just write them down keep them somewhere where nobody else is going to see them say them out loud say them out loud okay say them out loud don't just not just in your head that's when we say something that's out loud we get it out of our imagination into the real world okay and lastly dream big because if you don't imagine it you won't recognize it when it comes Okay, uh, let's have the, uh, uh, the worship band back up, please. And uh, let's have Steph back up and uh, 